Hello, friends. Welcome back to Meg Living Inside Out. This is episode one of our series on marriage. What is marriage? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Genesis 2, verse 24. Marriage is a mystery. Even to those who participate in it and have healthy marriages, there is something unexplainable about how one plus one equals more than two. My husband Ben and I are very thankful to be celebrating five years of marriage in this year. And with this context, I'm going to attempt to talk about marriage. Now, um, obviously, there are a lot of discussions on this, many more than what I can uh, explain in this podcast. So there will definitely be resources in the description box uh, for more than what you see here, because five years is not a lot of time to be talking about marriage. But I want to at least give a perspective from my position, my vantage point, um, and I think it's important um, for those who trust me to hear what I have to say on this topic. So, the first thing that I want to say about marriage is that it is a team. You know, the husband and the wife are working together for a common goal, um, survival in a sense uh you have to this is the the world that we we live in we have to earn money so that we can buy food so that we can eat the food so that we have a place of shelter where we can sleep and then we repeat it all over again and then within this healthy function um we bear children and reproduce the human species and set an example for the children of this is how a man and a woman are to be friends. And if you've listened to my friendship podcast series and clicked on that landing page, inversedream.com slash podcast slash friendship, I hope you've seen my emphasis that the marriage is where we are supposed to give an example to our children of what a healthy friendship looks like. Because ultimately, if if you have, if you model healthy friendship, you will create a healthy society. If, you know, if everyone goes along with it and dies their selfish desires and pursues loving Christ and righteousness. And unfortunately, we know that Only few find the narrow path to quote Jesus in the Gospels. So not everyone is going to be Christian um, and not everyone is going to be a part of a healthy society. But we are going to do our best where we are. And so the husband and a wife are a team. And however you decide to earn money and cook the food and make your way in the world... Um, One of the things I love about Proverbs 31 and the example of that archetype, you know, this is an epitome example. And one of the things I love about Proverbs 31, you know, not that every single woman has to do all of those things, but it's something to aspire to. The Proverbs 31 wife is the one running the family business. And that is what allows her husband to serve in the marketplace, in the gate area, and volunteer his time to the community. Their marriage and their life is so stable that she can hire servants to help her and outsource some of her work, and she can volunteer her husband to serve and give his time and his wisdom to the community. So with the archetype in mind of it doesn't matter where the money comes from, it matters that the couple is working as a team and that their family is stable and they're setting a good example for their children of friendship and that when they have extra, they are reinvesting in their community. 
So, one of the most controversial subjects regarding marriage is about the word, do I say it, submission. Now, submission in the dictionary, sub means under, and mission means that you're headed towards something in the same direction. It is a shared common goal. And sub, meaning under, simply means that you are going, as the wife, you are going under the husband's mission. Now, ideally, you marry someone and you are both headed in the same direction. And there's a lot of marriages that are not ideal, but we're going to talk about the ideals right now. And so, one of... It is important to distinguish that this teamwork of submission is not to be confused with subjection. Now, subject is comes... A king has subjects, and he rules them, and he tells them, this is what you should do. And there's very much a controlling aspect to that, and it is ordered, and it is a dictatorship. Whereas in submission, yes, the husband does get the final decision, but he also leans on his wife for insight and advice and perspective. And the submission is voluntary. It is given. It is not demanded. And there's two examples that I want to give to shake off the uh, negative connotations. Now, I want you to imagine a horse and a rider. And this is not just any horse and rider. This is an Olympic dressage horse and rider or an Olympic jumper. Uh, Dressage is where the horse is kind of doing ballet with their feet and jumping is where you're, you know, jumping over the obstacles. So let's say that you are jumping and the rider and the horse have spent hundreds upon hundreds, if not thousands of hours together preparing for this event. And a well-trained horse and rider, the rider can tense up a single muscle on one of their legs and the horse knows what that instruction means. It's incredibly sensitive. They're incredibly attuned to each other. If the horse did not want to participate in the jumping or the dressage, it's a several hundred, if not thousand pound animal. It can do whatever it wants. And I love the picture of a horse and a rider working together because nobody's looking at the rider. Like, the rider is the one making the decisions and having the final say, but the horse is the one that everyone looks at. That's the one that is showing off. Look at this glorious teamwork. And so something I love about submission that really I want to explain as meaningfully as possible is that it is the woman who gets the glory from healthy biblical submission. And I even love the phrase, the woman is the glory of the glory. I forget what verse it is, and I will put it in the description below, but man is the glory of God, and woman is the glory of man. And it's not that the woman is less than the man, it's that the woman is the glory of the glory, which is the Hebrew superlative. Superlative is a big fancy grammar word, but basically it is the most wonderful of the glories. You know, in in the Bible we have the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, And that is the best of the songs. So this is a Hebrew grammatical emphasis that is happening. The second example that I want to give to you is in a business partnership. Um, You will have, if you have a co-ownership, 
one will have 51% and the other one will own 49%. And here's why that's important. If you have two people working in a business and you are trying to make decisions and they share the ownership equally, if they get in a disagreement, it can very easily destroy the business. And it is functionally necessary that one partner have the responsibility of making the final decision. Now, something that we see in scripture is that God holds husbands responsible to make good decisions. And there's a lot of pressure in a healthy marriage. There is a lot of pressure on a good man to make good decisions. And a good man will will feel that pressure and he will carry it and, and he will lean on other men to help him bear that burden. He will not... Men... I want to say rarely, but I don't want to make generalizations. Men need to lean on other men to bear that burden. And it's not that they can't lean on women. It's that it is difficult for it is difficult for me to appreciate the burden that my husband bears except for the fact that I lived alone and I was single from age 17 until I was 30. So I paid my bills. I paid my rent. I paid my car repairs. I bought a car. I paid my taxes. My dad helped me a lot with that. Um, So because I know the burden of providing for myself, I am able to sympathize with with my husband's burden. And... um, It is, it is important to keep in mind that just because you have different functions within the marriage and it is appropriate for a woman's focus to be on her home, even the Proverbs 31 woman, her focus and priority was on her home and the business was an overflow outside of that. Now, in those days, in that culture, your business and your home were unified. They were together. You know, you walked out your door and there was your field and that was your business. Or you went to town and there was your little shop or stall in the market where you had items available for sale and that was your business. So I think by separating things into cities and suburbs and and country we've kind of lost that holisticness of your home and your fields are the same thing your business um but wisdom and i love how my friend annalise phrased it and i'm not going to remember it exactly but wisdom is knowing how to apply general principles two specific situations specifically your specific situation now i want to talk about the context in which paul was sharing his advice on marriage and i want to paint the picture of what actual toxic patriarchy was in the roman context Toxic patriarchy was that if a Roman man found out that his wife was cheating on him, he would rape both that man and his wife. So that's pretty gross and um, pretty unacceptable. And so Paul's admonition love your wife like you love your own body, was revolutionary. And his advice to women of submit to your husbands and remain married to your unsaved husband if he will remain married to you, 
because this has a sanctifying effect on the family. Um, that was in the context of really messed up cultural situations. I challenge you to read the books of Corinthians, Corinthians 1 and 2, and tell me that they were not completely messed up as a culture sexually. You have orgies happening at temples. You have people participating in orgies. You have people doing sexual things in the church that people don't even do outside. It's It was a mess. And so the advice of, of marriage that Paul was giving in all of his epistles were to people who were pretty messed up. They didn't know their right hand from their left. And when you have a culture, and dare I say it, our culture, who does not know their right hand from their left, you have to start saying things that would otherwise be obvious. So, um, one of the things that I do want to say is that a, a man, and I'm going to talk about submission again, because it's sensitive, and maybe the other explanation wasn't enough for you, so we're going to talk about this for a second. <laughs> a second more, because I am long-winded much. So, a man is responsible for a dog. And if that dog is violent or rebellious, the owner, that man, has a responsibility to control that dog. Now, this is a significant contrast to the marriage relationship. A, a woman is not property. A woman is not an object. She's a human being and she's meant to be treated that way. And a better analogy for a, a husband and wife is of a farmer who nourishes and stewards his land. That farmer is responsible to care for the land. Now, if the weather and events outside of his control makes it so that there is not a harvest... God does not hold the farmer accountable for the quality of the harvest. That is on God. God holds the farmer accountable for nourishing the land. And so that's why scripture tells husbands to nourish your wife. Understandably, this is not something that we may have seen growing up. We may have seen, if you're like me, men being passive and women being controlling and exerting their influence to try and make things happen. And if you've grown up and seen that modeled for you in contrast to what I've described previously in this podcast, you kind of have to relearn how to go about marriage and conflict and friendship. And so that's why I've spent all of the previous few episodes on this podcast talking about friendship, because friendship is the foundation of marriage. And if you can do friendship well, you will do marriage well. If you can do confrontation within friendship well, you will do confrontation within marriage well. Now, sometimes divorce is necessary. Even temporary separation. But sometimes long-term permanent divorce is necessary. And scripture says that God hates divorce and one of the things that I've made peace with is God hates divorce because sometimes it is necessary. He hates what it does to people. He hates that it rips souls and tears them apart. He hates that the investment that two people have made in each other and becoming one flesh 
is being ripped apart and thrown in the trash. The one plus one equals more than two is is lost. And all of that time and energy and investment and what trust and respect and love was there is gone. And that breaks God's heart. And so if you have been through divorce or you have watched a divorce I'm sorry now sometimes divorce is necessary Um, scripture is very clear that if there is sexual uh, infidelity that divorce is is worthy of pursuit and just because someone may have been in unfaithful and want to come back doesn't mean that they need to come back. Um, but also, um, if there is physical abuse within a marriage, that is not the man treating his wife like his own body. That's that is also cause for divorce biblically there is also a verse in the bible that says if a man does not provide for his family he is worth he is worse than an infidel or an unbeliever and so that is a very heavy verse that godly men fear and fear is a very heavy word, but I think the word reverence or they feel very cautious about that verse because that weight of providing for their family ought to weigh so heavily on them. Now, if a man does not provide for his family, that is also grounds for divorce. And if a husband is so passive that he does not care for his wife. If if he is even excited when she leaves him. That is grounds for divorce. And it makes me sad that so many situations qualify for that. Um, because a lot of times... If you're in an unhealthy marriage, it is it is difficult to get good counsel. And as I was saying before, men need men to lean on, but men also need men to hold them accountable. And I have a friend who will oftentimes go to her husband's brother and say, my husband, your brother, is doing X, Y, Z. And sometimes her brother will say, girl, you need to take a chill pill and just deal with it. And she needs to be open to hearing that response from her brother, from her husband's brother. However, more often than not, her husband's brother will go to the husband and say, dude, shape up. It's a lot easier for men to hold men accountable because they're on the same playing field and they walk under the same standard of manhood. Likewise, it is better for women to call women to a higher level of accountability because we are on the same playing field of womanhood. Now, this has been a very heavy middle section to the podcast and I want to wrap it up by saying it is better to be single than in an abusive marriage and if you need to leave a violent or passive hurtful spouse and it is safe for you to do so um, you know in the culture of Paul's day it wasn't safe for women to leave toxic husbands. And so that's part of why Paul encouraged them to be diligent, to 
continue to submit under unhealthy circumstances is because it wasn't safe for them to leave. But if you are able to leave an abusive marriage, do so. And and do so as wisely as you can and do so, you know, trying to walk in forgiveness and trying to trust God to provide for your needs. And is that terrifying? Yes, 100%. And I, it is God's mercy. I've never had to walk through that. But I have heard stories of others. And let me tell you, friend, he has been faithful. He has been so, so faithful. He's been faithful to people who totally did not deserve it. And if you are obsessing even over your sin and your contribution to the dysfunction of your marriage, because that happens. We all have sin natures and we all contribute. But if you're trying and the other spouse is not trying at all, or if you try and confront and say, this is a problem, and your spouse brings it back on you of, well, you should be doing all of these things differently. And why are you on my, that's gaslighting. That's gaslighting. And that's Godly men take responsibility for their actions. They don't blame other people. And if you have been hurt watching men not take responsibility for their actions, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I will be praying that God puts godly men in your path, in your life, even if you just see them across from a restaurant, nourishing and caring for their families, that God puts godly men in your path to set an example for you of how he cares about you. Now, with this heaviness aside, I would like to briefly talk about a few things that you can do to nourish your marriage. (laughs) Let's, uh... Let's bring the optimism uh, back up, if you please. So, um, one of my favorite questions that I actually have neglected to ask my husband lately, but uh, I will try to be getting back on that, is um, how can I make your day better? And I love this question because it comes to the spouse and offers, how can I serve you? What can I do to make your day better? Maybe it's a foot rub. Maybe get me a glass of cold water. My husband loves for me to fetch him things. That makes him feel so cared for. And to briefly talk about the love languages, acts of service, gifts, words of affirmation, physical touch, and quality time are all important. And we should learn to give in each language. But it's also important to know you know, what are my spouse's favorite love languages to receive in? You know, just because I really appreciate words of affirmation, maybe my husband is looking more for acts of service. And so ask your husband, you know, what what love languages mean the most to you and how can I do those better? And then, ladies, in the context... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hold up, hold up. Within my beloved trad wife community, there is this idolization of submission to the point where the wife is a doormat. And, like, yes, humility is kind and gracious, but you're not a doormat. People are not walking their shoes on top of you. And so, let me just say, it is very important, ladies... That we are voicing our preferences. Because if you are not voicing your preferences, how can your husband honor your preferences or nourish your needs and take care of you? Like, that's all part of it. So, voice your preferences. You can do this very respectfully. Also, bear in mind that after your husband has gone to very great lengths to do something for you, is not the time to ask him to do something else because he's like, please just appreciate what I already did. So in the season after which Ben and I had bought this house and I earned 
about 10% of the down payment, and Ben earned 90% of the down payment, um, I made a point to make notes in my head of, oh, I want to buy this, I want to buy curtains, I want to buy a porch swing, I want to buy a garden bench, I want to buy... I want to build raised garden beds, I want to buy plants, I want to buy pruners, I want to buy all of these things. And I made it a point to list those things to myself privately and wait very patiently to buy them because my husband had already cleaned out our entire savings to put the down payment on the house to close the house. So I regularly made a point to appreciate that effort and sacrifice. So, ladies, make sure as you're being submissive and respectful to voice your preferences. Hey, it'd be really nice to do that. And for the record, my husband very kindly often asks me, hey Meg, what's on your heart? What's on the heart of my wife? And I will often tell him and I'll often summarize. And very often, my dear husband will run out of emotional energy if I try and tell him the entire long version of what is on my heart. So I've had to learn to summarize. Now, this is different depending on the season. Some seasons, he's able to handle long versions. Some seasons, he needs short versions. Oh, and we have thunder in the distance. So that is also a thing. Um, So that is what I have to say about how can I make your day better? And sometimes it's a foot rub or a glass of water or please do that chore that I told you about last week. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of the things that uh, Ben and I joke about is, uh, Ben, I'm sorry I failed you. Don't worry. I'll do it again soon. And uh, I just try to make a joke of, about it. But not to say that we don't have heavy conversations. Um For example, if I am spending too much energy on internet content and I am neglecting my home, and in my last podcast, one of the things I mentioned is that proximity determines responsibility, and so the people that you are closest to are the ones that you are most responsible to take care of. So if I'm neglecting my home to post content on the internet, then I need to repent And take a break from posting content on the internet to reprioritize my husband and my home. Um, So that has been a, unfortunately, a regular conversation in our house. Um, Thankfully, I am getting better. uh, But uh, it's definitely been a journey. So another question that's really great is, what was the highlight of your day? And this is one of those things that kind of draws out how was work? fine. Now, granted, some men just run out of energy, and also sometimes our mental health underlying conditions contribute to running out of emotional energy sooner than rather than later, but still, it's a great question. What was the highlight of your day? Um, And uh, yeah, that is a thing. So, uh, the next list of topics that I'm going to share is from, it's called the Daily Temperature Reading by PurposeBuiltFamily.com. And we definitely do not do this daily, but it is something where I, we try to pay attention to the principles regularly. So there are five things. And um, first there is appreciation. Ben and I are constantly thanking each other and showing appreciation for little things, for big things. Appreciation is really important. Um, Secondly is new information. And new information is basically, (laughs) this is my understanding of it, you know, something to talk about together that interests both of you. So it stimulates that intellectual connection. The third thing that stimulates intellectual connection is solving problems together, solving puzzles together. Now, this may not be like an actual jigsaw puzzle that you lay out on the board, um, but Ben and I really enjoy playing video games together. And so we will take turns solving puzzles on The Witness, um, which is my favorite video game. 
uh, The Witness by Jonathan Blow, which came out in 2016. We've also been enjoying playing Skyrim together, and very often, Ben is the one who holds the mouse and runs the keyboard, but I'll be saying, oh, remember to um, use this potion, or uh, do the, the dragon skin shout before you go fight that mage. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. So we, we enjoy solving puzzles together, and um, honestly, if I'm going to jump ahead of myself here, next episode is about singleness and what to look for in a spouse, but if you enjoy solving problems with someone and there's also sexual attraction and you're both single and available um that that's that's a pretty encouraging sign so and you both love jesus obviously that is implied pretty important so um number four is a complaint or a confession or concern with recommendations. So, um, I'm I'm telling you my version of the daily temperature reading. This is not their words. This is my paraphrase of their principles. So, the complaint thing, uh, and really I don't like the complaint word so much, uh, confrontation. Confrontation is important. And sometimes, as a spouse you see things about your husband or wife that no one else can or no one else can see easily. And it is important that we confront our spouse. Hey, you could do this better. And um, again, both the husband and wife should confront the spouse as respectfully as possible. Um, I did a podcast in my friendship series called A Beginner's Guide to Confrontation, and I compare confronting someone to getting a speck of dust out of somebody's eye. You're essentially performing eye surgery on a very delicate part of the body. So you need to deal with the plank in your own eye. You need to deal with your own crud first, and then very delicately point out the sin in the other person's eye. And if they ignore you, then you go to the Matthew 18 progression. Um, so um, confrontation is important. Also, confession is important. And so I can't tell you how many times I've gone to Ben and said, I'm sorry for this bad attitude or that laziness or what have you. And here's the thing that that healthy people know that is terrifying to um, people who are learning to be healthy, which is that the more you lean in to confrontation and confession and reconciliation, the happier everyone is. If you keep things on a very short loop, um, and also Ben and I try not Ben and I are not historical and what I mean by that is and this is most often a a woman temptation um it is very easy I, I want to say maybe once in our marriage I have said hey Ben this thing that you did was extra painful because it reminded me of this thing historically in our past and so when we forgive, we move on, we don't talk about it. But in that instance, I did make the effort to say, this thing reminds me of this thing, and that's why this is extra painful. And so, um, yeah, uh, pattern sins. Oh, gosh. Have I talked about pattern sins on my podcast before I am completely blanking out but we're not talking about marriage today so I'm going to talk about pattern sins within marriage pattern sins are when you have an attitude or perspective towards something and it comes out in a certain behavior and for example one of my pattern sins is thinking that internet content is more important than my home and that is a 
perspective and mindset that is incorrect. And when I engage in that mindset, I hurt my husband. My husband has told me that sometimes he does not want to come home if he is going to see a messy front porch, a messy living room, a messy kitchen, a messy bedroom. And sometimes he will stay at work later because he doesn't want to see the messy house. And I have had to receive that and say I'm sorry. And I don't joke about it when he phrases it heavy like that. I say very little, actually. And I do my best to show him with my actions that I want to be different. And the most recent conversation that we had in that vein, I actually asked him, can you please help me organize the living room? Because we bought a new piece of furniture and I hadn't gotten the new flow set up to work nicely because I like lots of space between my furniture because I don't like feeling cramped. And he helped me with the living room. And everything is pretty much sitting where we left it since that. And that was a month and a half ago. So um, all that to say, this is really important. Um, You cannot have a healthy relationship if you are not doing this. Um, It's really great if you can have conflict with your... Uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, or fiance before you get married, or at least talk about, like, how do you handle conflict? Um, Very often, one person will be, let's face the problem and talk this out right here, right now. And very often, another person will be, I need to run away. I'm not ready to face this right now. And it's very important that the person who wants to face it right away has the patience to wait and be slow and wait for the other person who maybe wants to run away and hide. Uh, The phrase that Ben uses that is really cute is, I'm on dial-up with my emotions right now. And so sometimes he'll feel torn up about something and he's not, he doesn't have the clarity to talk about it or work through it. And by the grace of God, Ben will go off by himself and he will always, always come back and work it out with me. And some of us are used to people who just avoid conflict and then they never come back and then you're just kind of like, you have all of these things under the rug that you never work through. But then also you've got other families where they just shout at each other out and that's not healthy either. And One of the things that Ben had to teach me was how to have conflict without raising my voice. And because of how things were growing up with my brothers, we got really loud really fast. Because volume was oftentimes the only way that we were heard. And (laughs) there were lots of broken doors, unfortunately. And I should include that and go more in depth on that about boundaries. But... Um, just because maybe that is your history doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. You can learn how to do things differently. The fifth item in the daily temperature reading is hopes and dreams. And it is super important that you can identify and share hopes and dreams with your spouse. And in the event that you can't, that is really hard. Um, And and you need to trust God with those things. But ideally, and again, we're talking about ideals as much as possible today. Ideally, you know, before you get married, you discuss your hopes and dreams with your spouse. And be honest about those. Um... I was helping a friend with his Bumble profile and one of the things that are that's really important to him is just being at home. And so I had him put staycation as one of his identifying things on his Bumble profile because that's really important to him. He should not marry a travel blogger. <laughs> you know, just to 
be really, really blunt about it. Like if there's, now if you do marry a travel blogger, like you can find ways to negotiate it and work it out, but you can get really, really creative, but you're going to have to really listen and be a team and, and figure out what, what thing it is that you're working towards together. Um, something I care about that is not my husband's gifting is uh, homesteading. I've spent a lot of time watching Roots and Refuge and Garden Answer, and I really, really, really love everything that goes along with homesteading. Now, in walking dogs regularly, I have learned that I don't think I'm cut out to take care of animals every day. Um, I would like to garden, though, so I'm working up to that, but my husband much prefers to work with his brain than with his hands. And so I am not expecting that we will ever own a farm, have cows. Um, I don't think we'll ever own farm animals um, unless I have enough energy and it's something my kids want to do. I don't have kids right now, so we'll figure that out when we get there. But that's not something I do not have an expectation of helping any help from that from my husband and so that's not a hope and dream that's important to me I have lots of other hopes and dreams that Ben cares about far more and so he's been very helpful with those mostly in just letting me do them and putting up with the messy house as we've discussed um so and also it's important to know that I know my husband's hopes and dreams and um Ben is a really simple man. He wants yummy food, hot, on the table. He wants intimacy. He wants a clean home to come home to. He wants to play video games. He wants to hang out and watch YouTube together. Quality time. And he, he he wants me to... Uh, fetch cold water for him. And it is a joy and delight to fetch things for my husband. So, and he wants to own a dance machine, uh, a, a DDR or a pump it up cabinet one day. And so making space in the budget for that is really important to me. And I want to see that come to fruition. So, hopefully one day, um, if money will allow. So now again, those are the five daily temperature reading suggestions from purposefiltfamily.com. And do we do that every day? No, absolutely not. But is it something that we prioritize and we work into our life regularly? Absolutely. Yes. Now, before we wrap up this podcast, I want to emphasize Love and respect are not natural. They do not come naturally for us. It is not natural for women to respect men. It has to be earned first. And that is part of what the engagement period is for. For the husband to earn the wife's respect when the husband has self-control. And he's, when, the, when the future husband has self-control. And he's not being reciprocated sexually. Um... Women have to learn to respect their husbands unconditionally. Just as we desire to be loved unconditionally. We want to be loved when we are not lovable. And men want to be respected when they are not respectable. Now, obviously there are certain things that are sinful and not respectable. But let's say a man tried really hard and he failed at something. It is times like that when a a woman can either break him down even further into the ground. Or she can say, that was hard, but I'm with you. And I have your back. And we're going to get up and try again. And you're going to get up tomorrow and you're going to try again. And I believe you. And I'm going to be here for you. 
unconditional love and unconditional respect are not natural. And the important thing to remember is that we do both of those things in faith that our efforts will be reciprocated and returned back to us. And reciprocation and I give to you without expecting back, but then you give to me without expecting back and we're patient with each other. It's not a contractual thing. It's a covenant. And I've spent a lot of time talking in this podcast already and I'm trying to think about how to explain a covenant. And very simply... A covenant is a promise. And it says, I'm going to be here for you. Whether the cloud is rainy, whether the sky is rainy, or the sky is sunny. Whether we have many children, or whether we lose many children. I promise to be with you. I promise to be faithful to you. I promise to abandon all others and focus on you. Not that we abandon all others, but you are my primary human. You are first. And I promise to prioritize you. And when we live our lives in pursuit of Jesus, and we go to Jesus first to receive our worth and to receive love, it is then that we are able to show that unconditional love and worth to our spouse. If this podcast has given you something to think about, something you need to work through and process, I would encourage you to visit the link in the description, inversestream.com slash podcast slash marriage. There will be a web form there that will connect you with a digital mentor who wants to help and encourage you in your walk with Christ. This is not a professional counselor, simply a Christian who wants to encourage you. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Meg. I love my Jesus. And I believe in living inside out. Now it's your turn. Go and live it.